Welcome back, everybody, to the Know-It-All Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Jerry, the Fantasy Football Know-It-All. I can be found on Twitter at FFKnowItAll. Hope you're all having an amazing week, and as I promised, this is the second podcast of this week as we will outline the divisions. I'll go over the AFC North and the NFC North today, but first... I'd like to tell you guys about a podcast that I listen to on a regular basis. And you've heard me talk about it before. It is the Morning Smoke CLT. Join my man G as he talks about a variety of topics that not only are near and dear to his own heart and that he's passionate about, but things that we all can relate to as we go about our daily lives. This COVID-19 pandemic has really made us all think differently whether you're for or against wearing a mask, I'm not here to debate that. It, it is what it is. But there are a lot of things that can come out of this situation to make us think in a new light. So join G as he does uh, take these uh, topics head on, if you will. And if you just like to enjoy a smoke or uh, a cup of coffee or maybe a drink and just relax and unwind, the Morning Smoke CLT is the type of show that you would enjoy. Folks, you're not going to regret tuning in and listening to it. Give it a try and you'll see. You can also follow my man G on Instagram at the Morning Smoke Charlotte. So make sure you check it out where all podcasts can be found. Now let's go ahead and jump up to the AFC North and we'll start with the defending division champ, Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, you guys have heard me. If you listen to my podcast, I have spoken at nauseum about Lamar Jackson. He had a record-setting season in 2019. 36 touchdowns, over 1,200 rushing yards, and a slew of touchdowns on the ground as well. I think there were eight of them. In essence, you got a quarterback one and a running back one on your roster with a single pick. That's incredible. Think about that. One player brought you that production. A low-end quarterback one with the 36 touchdowns, but still a quarterback one nonetheless. And with those rushing yards, forget about it. That's the driving force behind his ADP being so high this year. It's either in the first or second round, and he's not making it out of the second round anybody. So... He is definitely somebody that's going way too early for my liking. I mentioned uh, earlier in in this uh, in the show, I like choosing a quarterback later, not earlier. It just it it ruins the rest of your team from a talent perspective. And if we have time later in the show, I'll go over that in more detail. But his skill set will lead many to believe that these numbers can be repeated. I'm not ready to buy into that. Defenses will key on his running, and they will force Jackson into throwing in more, uh, throwing more, and and getting him into more passing situations. The touchdowns will not come as easy this year, and the rushing yards won't either. I'm telling you now, he is poised for regression. Um, he'll still get you points on a per game basis, but using such an early round pick on a quarterback is never something I recommend, especially when. You're you're banking on him to get better. Those numbers may not even be sustainable. Never mind, go up and be better. 
you you gotta when you're looking at stuff like that, you can't draft on last year's numbers. That's another thing I really want to impress upon. If I don't ever make another point with anybody, that is the point I want to talk about. Drafting last year's stats mean nothing. You have to look at this year and what's going to happen and just kind of project things out. I'm staying away at this draft position. That's all I can really tell you. <laughs> Mark Ingram. I believe will be the de facto starter in the backfield for the Ravens since he's going off the board in the middle rounds. He's a guy that will get you, I think, solid running back two or flex play. He's he's going kind of late in drafts, and I think he'll have the opportunity there to keep the job for most of the year. It's a crowded backfield, though, so you got to be careful. Gus Edwards is there. Meh, he's not going to get much action. Justice Hill, mm. J.K. Dobbins is really the only one that I'm kind of concerned with. And if Ingram gets out to, off to a slow start or gets hurt, Dobbins really should be the one to emerge um, as Ingram's replacement there. Though I wouldn't take any chances on him because you don't know if that's going to happen. And it's really not worth keeping this J- Dobbins on your bench in a what-if type situation. The the waters are too muddy there in Baltimore. Marquise Hollywood-Brown exploded onto the scene last year in dynamic fashion. His emergence was one reason that Jackson had the success that he did. Make no mistake about that. I'm not trying to tell you that Lamar Jackson didn't deserve his numbers or didn't play hard or isn't talented. I'm not saying that at all. But you have to look at circumstance. Marquise Brown turned nothing into something several times and that helped to pad Jackson's numbers still I don't feel that Brown will sustain his production in this offense either he's a fine wide receiver too perhaps a flex that's really about it Miles Boykin eh He's most likely the number two here with Willie Sneed in the fold. Neither one of these guys excites me. So in this run-heavy offense, especially with the quarterback running all over the place, these second and third wide receivers aren't aren't even worth considering. At tight end, though, Mark Andrews soared into the top five at the position and might actually be a better play this season than Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has been the perennial number three behind Travis Kelsey and uh, and Kittle, and he was still the number three when Gronk was in the mix as well. Um, I really do believe that Mark Andrews will outplay Zach Ertz this, this year and finish close to the number three. Regardless of whether Jackson can duplicate his numbers from last year, he will still feed the tight end as much as possible, and Andrews, like I said, should see improved numbers from a year ago. Now let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last year saw the Steelers nearly make the playoffs with essentially a practice team taking the field on offense. The rebirth of their defense, however, kept them in games when the offense could barely move the ball. This will be an interesting um, transition to see what happens now with the return of Big Ben, hopefully a healthy James Conner, and Juju Smith-Schuster also back in the fold. Roethlisberger isn't getting any younger. He's going to be 38 this season, and he's always a risk to get injured. But still, he can throw the football, and now he has quite a few weapons in the passing game. 
if you wait until later rounds and take a quarterback, um, Big Ben is worth a look here. You just might hit some pay dirt, especially if he can remain healthy for the better part of the season. James Conner figures to regain his role as the workhorse back in this offense, but there are other guys who might figure to make this more of a split, I guess, than it would appear. Benny Snell looked really good last year, despite the fact that he consistently lined up against stacked boxes. Jalen Samuels, he was once thought to be a three-down back with a lot of potential, but now he's pretty much been relegated to a third-down pass-catching specialist who doesn't even catch a lot of passes. I don't think he's worth adding in for any reason. He is on the reserve COVID list. Keep that in mind. What that means for the season, we still don't know, but he is on the list. The wide receiver core will also be interesting to break down. When Antonio Brown was still with the Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster took the league by storm with plenty of dynamic plays from scrimmage. Brown is gone, and while Deontay Johnson looks the part of a true downfield threat, it remains to be seen if he will develop in and get better in his sophomore season. If he does, Juju could revert back to the hybrid slot type receiver that brought him so much success. I mentioned the reserve COVID list. James Washington was just put on the list by the Steelers earlier this week. He proved that he can improve a little bit, but I think he's just a guy, honestly. Um, He does have some good speed and good hands, but I think that Chase Claypool, now that Washington is on the COVID reserve list, I think that opens the door for Claypool to kind of sneak into that third role, giving the Steelers a, um, a goal line threat. At tight end, you have the duo of Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron. I'm not buying it. I'm just not. These two negate each other in my mind, and I would rather just look elsewhere at the position. Now we'll go ahead and talk about the Cleveland Browns. Speaking of hype, there was no team that had a larger hype train in 2019 than than the Browns. From Baker Mayfield going as the fifth quarterback off the board, and he was, to Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, they were being compared to Jerry Rice and John Taylor, for crying out loud. It all came crumbling down once the season began, and it spiraled downward in true Cleveland Brown fashion. Mayfield, while he showed potential once he took over the job in 2018, it was, it, he didn't show enough that we should have expected that big of a leap last year. I think that was foolish. I thought it was foolish at the time, and looking back at it, it even looks worse. Still, though, he has the arm strength and the tools to be a very good NFL quarterback, and I do expect a bounce back in 2020. He will be a very fantasy-relevant quarterback, especially now that you're able to get him at somewhat of a discount. I am looking at the same for Odell Beckham Jr., as he remains one of the most talented wide receivers in the game. He's being drafted as a wide receiver 2, fringe wide receiver 2 now, which makes him even more attractive, especially, like I said, at the price. I am perfectly comfortable with Beckham as my number 1, actually, if I were to go running back heavy early in the draft. Landry will be fine, too, as a wide receiver 2, or a flex play, given the production that usually comes with a wide receiver uh, that plays out of the slot. 
and especially one that plays out of the slot with an offense that can actually move the ball. Speaking of moving the ball, um, the backfield duo of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt may possibly be the most talented tandem we've seen in the NFL in a long, long time. Everyone is expecting this to be Chubb's backfield with Hunt assuming the Duke Johnson role with catching passes. I'm not so sure about that. The presence of Hunt, who is very good between the tackles as a runner, gives me pause to really take Chubb as high as he's going. Hunt, on the other hand, could be an absolute steal and could take over the job if something were to happen to Nick Chubb. At tight end, Austin Hooper uh, was brought on from uh, formerly of the Falcons, and David Njoku, well, I expected much more out of Njoku over the past few years, and he's really done nothing but disappoint. So, it, it, with with this comes a lot of uncertainty. Um, Hooper is an athletic pass-catching threat who is a decent uh, to good blocker. So the Browns could use two tight end sets. And, and if they do, both of these guys could be worth a look. But if they don't, both of these guys are hard passes for me. I don't see where they can coexist and both be relevant. And I, I can't tell you, kind of like the, the situation that we're having in Tampa Bay. I can't say that either one of these guys is going to perform over the other one. Now we'll wrap up this division with the Cincinnati Bengals and, of course, Joe Burrow, uh, the rookie quarterback, taking number one overall. Um, I typically hesitate when it comes to drafting quarterbacks that are rookies, but Burrow, um, he isn't even being drafted in, uh, in fantasy drafts. He looks really, really good on film, too. i got to tell you in looking at him. And I think he'll be an immediate upgrade from Andy Dalton, who I actually liked as well. Um, he's a guy, Burrow, that you can pair with someone late, and like a Ben Roethlisberger. And when Roethlisberger gets hurt, perhaps um, he is already taken off, or or he's at least holding his own, and you can put him in there. Again, he's not being drafted, so his cost is uh, the low, low price of free. Joe Mixon will be the bell cow here for the Bengals. He is a very good between-the-tackles rusher who can also catch passes. I really like Mixon this year. I'm drafting him. Um, he's my target if I if I do draft at the 10, 11, 12 turn. That way I can get him and a really top-flight uh, wide receiver, um, such as a Devontae Adams maybe or a DeAndre Hopkins or a Julio Jones great great combination there to build your team Giovanni Bernard is the only other back really worth mentioning here but he's merely a handcuff should anything happen to Mixon if there is an injury though we have seen in the past that Bernard can put up some really really solid numbers so if you get Joe Mixon there's no reason you can't uh, handcuff him with Giovanni Bernard A.J. Green has signed a franchise tag and figures to be back as the number one option in the passing game. It will be interesting to see if he has anything left. He is over 30, and he's been injured quite a bit over the past few seasons. Still, he's worth a look, um, especially in the middle rounds where he's going if he's still on the board. John Ross and rookie T. Higgins figure to compete for a spot opposite Green, or you know, if they go wide receiver heavy, they could both be on the field. I'm done with the John Ross experiment personally. I 
yeah, uh, again, I'm going to move on. Disappointment after disappointment. That's another hype train I will just wave to as it roars on by and onto the station. Tyler Boyd, though, is more interesting, and I would target him. He plays out of the slot. He's super fast with dynamic speed. He can turn it upfield sometimes, too. So I feel that he is a solid flex option or low-end wide receiver, too, in some cases, depending on your league settings. And if you've loaded up on wide receiver and um, running back in the first four rounds, take him. Put him on your bench. C.J. Uzoma is the tight end for the Bengals, but I'm not expecting any fantasy-relevant play out of this position. All right, let's go ahead and head up to the NFC North, starting off with the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers coming off of a down season, uh, at least for him. And there are more questions about him this season than there have been in a very, very long time. I took him last year, in an uncharacteristic move for me. I took him in like the sixth round, and I don't take quarterbacks that early. I really don't. I took him last year, and he was fine, but he was going much higher. This season, he comes at a huge discount, and and he's poised for a bounce back. I really think there's value here. He's going in the late, late rounds, 13, 11, 10, uh, 12, 13th round. This was a guy that used to be the number one quarterback off the board, and he can still throw the football. He hasn't lost anything skill set-wise. So what's changed? I think people are worried. They're worried about Matt LaFleur and how he's going to maybe transition this into a one-two punch running first team. I don't know why you would do that with Aaron Rodgers on your squad, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Aaron Jones is listed as uh, the primary back on this offense. And if the Packers had not drafted a running back in the second round, I would feel much better about this. A.J. Dillon is now part of this backfield. And like I mentioned with LaFleur earlier, given his history, he could find a way for Dillon to be a thorn in the side of Aaron Jones' owners. He is a big back, Dylan is, who can vulture some TDs away from Jones and, and a lot of Jones's appeal last year. And the reason why he finished as the running back two overall was because of his touchdown production. That's going to come down. Jamal Williams is still in the mix here as well. So that makes it even more muddy. Aaron Jones is being drafted in the first round as though he's going to be the workhorse on this team. I don't see that happening. I just don't. So I'm staying away from Jones at his current ADP. Devontae Adams, as I mentioned earlier on, is undoubtedly the go-to wide receiver in Green Bay. He is a first-round pick as far as I'm concerned. While it is a crapshoot to see who the Packers will list as their number two, um, Devin Funches opted out. So is it Alan Lazard? Is... Uh, MVS going to rebound and possibly live up to his expectations that, that he had a few seasons back? I can't see either of them providing a consistent fantasy value, though, so that leads me to just target Adams. At tight end, Mercedes Lewis, he's far removed from a time where he posed any threat to score. Still, anything is possible with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. I am not uh, I'm not ready to believe in the tight end position for the uh for the Green Bay Packers. He's up there in years. He never finds the end zone. Yeah, let's move on. 
the Minnesota Vikings, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Dalvin Cook um, is the is going to be the focal point of this offense now that he has reported to uh, camp. Um, he figures to be one of the main cogs in this Viking Vikings um, offensive attack. I expect a top five finish from Cook if he remains healthy. His backup, Alexander Madison, is another guy that I like a lot. I can't stress this enough. If you draft Dalvin Cook, you better tie him, chain him, weld him to Alexander Madison, not even handcuffing him. Alexander Madison figures to be a high-end running back one, should anything ever happen to Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook has a history of getting hurt. Marry the two. That's all I'm going to say about that. If you have one, you need to have the other. Adam Thielen is undoubtedly the primary pass catcher for Kirk Cousins here in uh, Minnesota. Um, he's more of a wide receiver too, though. Even even though Justin Jefferson um, recently opted out due to the COVID pandemic, and there's nobody else in this core, I just don't see them throwing enough in, in Minnesota. I, I really do believe this is going to be a run-heavy offense where there's not going to be a lot of opportunity for Thielen to uh, garner the numbers that gave him the uh, where he led the league for the first half uh, a few years back as wide receiver one. I do not consider taking another Vikings wide receiver. Thielen is the only guy that I will even consider. Cousins is a very good quarterback who's capable of airing it out. However, um, while he can rack up points for your team if given free reign to do so... The scheme in Minnesota really limits his upside and uh, to the point where he's no more uh, valuable to you than a streaming option. And even that, there might be better uh, there might be better quarterback for you to go with if you're streaming QBs throughout the season. Kirk Cousins, a fine NFL quarterback, not so much for fantasy. The Detroit Lions, an interesting team for a lot of reasons. Quarterback Matt Stafford last year was on pace for 39 touchdowns and almost 5,000 yards. You heard me right. Almost 40 TDs and just about 5,000 yards. A back injury derailed his season. Um, He only played eight games. And he looks to make a return and pick up where he left off. Um, I've mentioned it before. On one of my podcasts, I will say it again. Stafford is a guy that I am targeting in almost every draft I've taken part in. He's going at a good portion part of the draft when you've already loaded up on your other players. And again, I do believe this is going to be a pass-first team. He's got his weapons in Kenny Galladay, who had a legitimate breakout last year, even though... Stafford only played in eight games, and in the in the remainder of the season, he Galladay was subjected to some of the worst quarterback play in the NFL. He is a locked and loaded wide receiver one with top five potential. Marvin Jones will be his complement on the other side, perhaps one of the most underrated at this position in the NFL. Jones had almost 800 receiving yards and nine touchdowns last year. Numbers that he can easily improve upon with Stafford backslinging the rock. Danny Amendola is always a late-round flyer working out of the slot. He gets peppered with targets. He is a threat for injury, though. He he is, is made of glass, it seems. But when he's healthy, he can rack up catches and points for you 
in a PPR format. Detroit also added a running back to their stable when they drafted DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. And I don't know what this really means. Um, The Lions used an early round draft pick on Swift, so he figures to contribute right away in the running game. The problem here is that Kerryon Johnson, also a second round pick back in 2018, is still in the fold and isn't going away. Unfortunately, this really does look like a true running back by committee situation. Matt Patricia is famous for this in his uh, couple of years here in Detroit. I don't think that's going to change this season. No thank you on either of these running backs. TJ Hawkinson will start at tight end for the Lions. And while he had a decent rookie season, I feel the best is still yet to come. He was hobbled a bit as well in 2019. Tight ends are notorious for getting better as they mature in the league a little bit. So there is potential here, and his ADP is fairly reasonable. So Hawkinson is another guy that if you miss out on, if you decide not to go uh, with with Kelsey or Kittle or, or Andrews or somebody, he's a guy you can target toward the later part of your draft that could pay dividends for you. Now we'll finish up the NFC North with the Chicago Bears. It appears as though Mitchell Trubisky's um, reign as the starting quarterback is over. Nick Foles was brought in as the projected starter for Chicago, but is he? Matt Nagy now has started to hint that there could be an open competition for the job. Neither of These mediocre quarterbacks are worth rostering, honestly, anyway. Yes, I understand Nick Foles won a Super Bowl for Philadelphia. I'll pose a question. Where has he ever succeeded outside of Philadelphia? He has not. So that's something to keep in mind as well. I don't see Foles really excelling here either. Is he better than Trubisky? I believe that he is. I believe that Foles will be the starter, which means that Allen Robinson will be playing with the best quarterback that he's ever played with in his career, believe it or not, Nick Foles. Um, Robinson is firmly entrenched as the number one wide receiver in the Bears passing game. He will get a massive amount of targets, regardless of who the quarterback is, and he should score a decent amount of touchdowns. Depending on what the draft strategy is that you employ, he could be the wide receiver one on your squad if you took a lot of if you took running backs in the first couple of rounds, or perhaps the number two if you went um, wide receiver running back. So either way, he's he's a guy that you can get as your third player, and quite honestly, he's he's wide receiver one material. Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, they could be okay at times. However, they're not going to be consistent enough to provide much value for you. Occasional flex value at best. Of these guys, I'd rather take Miller. His upside is higher. So there isn't anybody else in this receiving core that's even worth a look. David Montgomery will serve as the early downback for the Bears, and he stands to get a very sizable workload. He's undervalued, honestly, in my opinion. He racked up almost 900 yards on the ground last year and scored six touchdowns. His scores should tick up a little bit if the offense improves, and I believe that it will. Um, There's a legitimate chance that he can finish with 1,000 yards and flirt with double-digit touchdowns. And if you can draft him, a player that does that in the eighth round, my goodness, you would do that all day, every day. He also did have 25 catches last year for only 200 yards. 
that's not terrible considering the Bears have Tariq Cohen, who's a true pass-catching running back, in in the stable there. So he is working out of the third down and catching a lot of passes. If Cohen ever gets hurt, they should and could put Montgomery in the three-down role, and he can soar. Back to Cohn for a minute. He's very electric, and he can make things happen with the ball in his hands. In a PPR format, he is definitely a fringe value in, um, for flex, uh, for flex position. I wouldn't put him as a running back two, certainly not a running back one, but he suffers enough in the running game that he really can't provide any value for you in any other format other than PPR. Jimmy Graham will be the tight end for the Chicago Bears, but this this doesn't excite me. Um, His best years are way behind him now, and honestly, he's a touchdown or bust player, uh, really in any format. Well, guys, that's going to do it on today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and being so supportive of the show. I could not do this without you. I really honestly couldn't. Our downloads are soaring they build more and more each week and i could not be more grateful it is done 100 percent through word of mouth i do not do any advertising at least not yet now it is kind of in the works because i do want to spread the word on the show i think we're building something very special here and i am i enjoy doing this very very much and hopefully you are getting as much out of this as i get out of delivering it to you in and always Please hit me up on Twitter at FFKnowItAll or email the show, knowitallfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Let me know what you think, something you might want to see more of. I am open to feedback. Let me know what I'm doing well, what I'm not doing well. I, I couldn't do it without the feedback that you guys provide. So please continue to do so. Share the show with whoever you feel might enjoy it. I I would greatly appreciate it. And definitely continue to download it. And if you haven't already done so, just hit up uh, the ratings and, and give me five stars if you enjoy the show, of course, as that will make the podcast easier to find and it will enable me to better be able to continue to provide quality um, content to you guys on a weekly basis. So I'll be back at you on Tuesday where we're going to go ahead and head out west, I believe, first, uh, AFC and NFC West. And then uh, Thursday of next week, we'll do the AFC and NFC East. So um, I do have the radio show, as I mentioned. It is 9 to 11 p.m. on Meridian 524 Radio on Friday nights. Tomorrow's more of a test run on it as we're working out some of the kinks. But make sure you follow me on Twitter. Again, that's FFKnowItAll. I will have all of the details when the show is ready to launch. Quick shout out to Kevin, Chris, and Temi for the awesome intro and outro music, which you're about to hear in a minute. And guys, I've, I've talked your ear off enough. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. But please, please, please continue to do everything that you can to dominate your lives. Never forget the day. Yeah, yeah.